Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. Are you a business owner looking for help with HR benefits and payroll? MWG Employer Services offers a wide range of services and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. I was so overwhelmed with HR stuff. MWG Employer Services took all the stress out of it and even set up my payroll. I couldn't be happier. MWG Employer Services is here to help you succeed. Call us today at 601-206-7966 or go to mwgemployerservices.com. You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. To the junction, in the grove, and to the top. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. On your radio and in the game. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Happy middle of the week. It is Wednesday afternoon. This is Sports Talk Mississippi with you in the Pearl River Resort Studios. Pearl River Resort is the home of nonstop entertainment. Great food, live music sometimes, a lot of times. Almost every weekday you got some kind of live music. It's a big shows that are going on as well. You, of course, have gaming and the poker tournaments that are going on, the sports book and the golf course. It's all there, and you can learn all about it at PearlRiverResort.com. Seaspire text line is wide open to you as we begin on this Wednesday afternoon at 601 879 4395. Whether you're looking for the best in wireless, the best in home internet, or the best in business internet solutions, Seaspire has you covered. Learn more about them online at cspire.com. Alongside Michael Borky and Brian Haydad, I'm Richard Cross. You remember three, three and a half weeks ago when it was, we had highs that were in the low 80s and lows that were in the mid to upper 50s. And you guys kept being, it's false fall, false fall, false fall. You're right. You're right. Always always right on, on that front. It's uh, it's a little toasty to be at the end of September, but a couple a of bit. weeks from now, it's going to cool off a little bit. We'll be in the mid-70s and not going to be too bad at all. Good afternoon, boys. Let's uh, Let's start with this, because I don't know where else to put this in the show, and I saw it after I did the notes. You know, we talked a little bit about Auburn yesterday and how the, the fans are, are kind of getting restless with uh, with you, Freeze. Please tell me we're about to play the Charles Barkley clip. Yes, Charles Barkley is still on board, but he's got some thoughts. <laughs> this is Charles Barkley was on the, the next, next round, round with uh, with Ryan Brown and Jim Dunaway and Lance Taylor. And, um, you know, he, he weighed in into yeah. some of what has been going on recently on the Plains and some uh, additional thoughts he had uh, about what they needed to add to some of what they have been doing recently. Mr. Cohen decided to go with Coach Freeze, and I told him, I told both of them, hey, I'm all in on Coach Freeze. Now, I will say this. <laughs> if y'all going to be down there baptizing people, please pray for us better quarterback players. <laughs> <laughs> Sir Charles. He did go on in the clip to say, uh, 
You can't play three quarterbacks. You can't play two quarterbacks. You'll have you just got to decide on one and go with him. And then if you've got to make a change, make a change. But running two and three of them out there in a the game just not working. I'm so glad he didn't take the CNN gig. I, I, I'm so glad we get just Barkley on sports. He'd probably actually be really good at political commentary, and a lot of people in our audience would likely very much agree with a lot of things that he said. But I'm just I'm glad that this is what he has chosen to do with his life because he is golden. Yeah, yeah, he's 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 just so real. And he finally got over the uh, the yips that he had with his golf game. I don't know that he's a good golfer, but he can actually swing it now. So yeah. that is um, that is a positive. Speaking of that, quick sidebar: the uh, the Sanderson Farms uh, commitment list is published, and buddy Steve Gent did great. It is a very good field. Next week, it, it's almost here. Uh, scroll through it. I, I, they they did good yet again. Cheers to them. And I'm you not just what? saying that because I like Steve a lot. It, gonna, it's really good. I'm going to text Steve. I know he's getting into his like the whole thing is busy, but now like his super hyper overdrive busy. I'll see if uh, if we can get Steve to pop in at least on the phone and uh, visit with us tomorrow and talk a little bit. Now that they've got the uh, the list of participants out for that as well. Uh, Chase in Columbus. Hey, Dad, you'll get a kick out of this. I'm sure you've seen it and chuckled about it already. He says, um, this is on the ceasefire text line, did you guys see the post from Ole Miss Athletics about reuniting the 3 team and celebrating their SEC West championship? So, do, doing are you, are you not connected, hey, Dad? Can we hear him? We can't hear you. He's got his self-muted. There's nothing I can do about that. That, no, is, that is all... That is all on oh, him. Oh, goodness. Look at him. His brain is broken. He's just got to push one in button. Se- in a second, he's going to be like, oh, and there it is. Is that it? Yeah, there, there he is. Press pre. Pre wasn't pressed, was it? Again, again, I'm going to point this out. As I have to say it almost every week. This is Jim Ellis's fault. <laughs> he turns everything off when he does his show, and i got to come back in here and just, if you just leave the board the way I have it, we would have no issues. Th- what I was all... saying was, Richard... Mm-hmm. What I was saying was, what, what are y'all doing? What, what are y'all doing? I, I will admit, when I when I saw that, my first thought was not, I can't believe they're celebrating the Western Division title. Like, I mean, they got a trophy for it. I know they didn't play in Atlanta. The way the SEC's bylaws work, they are co-SEC uh-huh. Western Division champions, period. That's right. how it works. Right. works in all the sports that way. You split the title. I mean, same thing in baseball. People want to roll your eyes when you, you if you split a division title in baseball, you know, the, the higher seed, there's a tiebreaker, you know, what whatever. Make fun of that as, as you wish. I, I, I don't care. I will. I will. That's fine. Mississippi State's never had a split championship where they got a trophy in basketball or baseball. I don't know. I don't think State has a banner hanging for one where they didn't, they weren't the one seed at the tournament. Oh, okay, whatever. Regardless. Regardless. I know where you're going, though. My issue is, but you're doing this when playing LSU that was the team that you lost to in 2003 in the most heartbreaking way. Like, everything about that day was great. 
special, yeah. spectacular, except the final score but, for, for Ole Miss. Fans. But then. Yeah. Um, and then so, that, so, yeah. also that's the team that won the West, won the conference, and won the national title. Mm-hmm. And you're going to go out there and flaunt. Like, I remember once State uh, was playing LSU in, in basketball and brought the baseball team out there to celebrate that I think they had, I don't know what they had done, but it wasn't a national title. And all the LSU fans are just looking around and like, are you being serious right now? Like, <laughs> we, have, we have five national titles. What are, you, what are you doing with this? You can't, there are some schools you can't do that with. You can, I mean, they're playing Arkansas the next week. Just do it then. And, and and let it be the the twenty year anniversary of the Cotton Bowl season, ten wins. And, yeah, uh, that's a great season. You can, you're certainly welcome to celebrate it. It's not like it's not worth celebrating and bringing Eli back and all those oh, great yeah. players. I mean, and that's doing a, a twenty year fantastic thing with those players. Yeah, that's fantastic. Hundred, but with LSU, 100. perfect. But with LSU, and you're going to say you're going to say SEC West champion. I mean, are, are, that's the problem. Are they really going to do a video and say SEC West champions with LSU sitting in the stadium? I hope the blowback has been enough to where that plan would be scrapped had they chosen that plan. But this is the same place that had Tommy Tuberville lead a stadium chant. So you, you never know with, with how things <laughs> could go. But that even playing LSU is fine as long as you just don't talk about the co-championship where somebody else played in Atlanta than you. If it's just, hey, the Cotton Bowl team from 03, okay, because logistics yeah. and stuff, maybe this was the game where everybody could get together. As long as you don't reference the SEC West co-championship in which you didn't go to Atlanta, it's fine. It's passable. You know, a little bad juju there with LSU being on the field, but it, it's okay. You know, you played other games that year. But promoting it as SEC West champions are here, it's just yeah, it's that's tough. I mean, that's tough. I mean, I, I would I would feel the same way if for you know, this is the 25th anniversary of State in '98. If State was State's playing at Arkansas this this year, if Arkansas were to have a 1998 SEC West championship ceremony, because technically they did tie, I, I would lose it. I was just like, what is wrong with you people? You didn't win anything. So, yeah, I, I agree. I agree 100%. Great team, one of the greatest teams in Ole Miss history, one of the greatest teams in modern Ole Miss history for sure. Great players. Everybody loves to see Eli. Celebrate that team. Do that. But to throw SEC West champions when you're playing the actual team that went to the conference championship game, that's 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 short-sighted. And, and it's not just... It's not just Eli Manning, right? I mean, oh, okay, yeah, sure. Eli's oh, yeah. a headliner for, for a million reasons. But there were so many players that were just fan favorites who were adored off of that particular team. You know, whether you're talking about – I don't even want to start naming names because I'll, I'll, I'll miss people. Um, but, I mean, whether you're talking about Tremaine Turner or – Good grief, Chris Collins or Mike Espy or Bill Flowers. Or Doug Buckles. Tay Biddle, Doug Buckles, Marcus Johnson, Justin Sawyer, Trey Stallings, Cliff Chris Wood, Spencer. Chris Spencer, Jonathan Nichols, the Groza Award winner. Man, there were so many. Jesse Mitchell. Is Coach Cutcliffe going to be there as well? Uh, I, I don't know. I, I hope so. I hope so, too. I, I hope the answer to that is yes, but but I, I do not know the answer to that. 
Sports Talk Mississippi, Travis Johnson, will he get an ovation if, if he's introduced on that day? Sports Talk Mississippi, we'll be right back. Super Talk Mississippi. Introducing to you Sports Talk Mississippi. Tough news today in College Station as Texas A&M has released information about their quarterback, Connor Wegman. He is out for the remainder of the season. The Aggies were expecting to be without Wegman for some time, with the quarterback suffering a leg injury during last Saturday's win against Auburn. However, with more testing and some x-rays and some scans, it is apparently worse than the Aggies thought that it was going to be. I think Billy Lucci was the first to uh, report this at Tex-Ags, that he will miss the remainder of the 2023 season, will need multiple months to recover from the injury, and at best will be back on the field next fall when Texas A&M begins the 2024 season. To me, that sentence in the story is a little concerning. He will need multiple months to recover from the injury and, at best, will be back on the field next fall. That sounds bad. It Uh, looked really bad. I don't know. Did you guys see it in real time when it happened? I mean, he could not. not. When he tried to put any pressure on it. He was in agony. I mean, it, it was, and so when the initial reports came out that, oh, it might be a couple weeks, I thought, ooh, he did not. He didn't act like that was an injury that's going to last a couple of weeks. I, I mean, he, he's, he's a tough college football player, and you could tell that something was really, really wrong with him. So this makes a lot more sense than the initial reporting. And you know, the, the crazy thing is, I, I saw. Somebody posted a list, and the number of Texas A&M quarterbacks in the last decade or so who have had season-ending injuries is staggering. Connor Wegman, Haynes King twice, Max Johnson last year, Nick Starkle, I think that was 2017, Trevor Knight, I Mm -hmm. think that was 2016. Mm Mm-hmm. 2016, um, and if you want to go back just a little bit farther, Dry Johnson as well had a, uh, a season-ending injury. So that, that's been tough at the quarterback spot for them. Clearly, Texas A&M is in as good a spot as they can be, given that Max Johnson is their backup. He's a good player. Yeah. Started games in the SEC. It's had big moments. Not going to be like the stage is too big for him, etc. But he didn't win the job. I mean, he was beaten out by Connor Wegman for the uh, for the starting job, and so you would think that A and M, at least to some degree, takes a, a step back at quarterback. And their backup now is a, a guy that transferred in. I can't remember. I saw his name earlier, and I just don't remember what his name was. The original timeline on Wegman was about a month, and now it's three and a half months minimum. Mm-hmm. A weight bearing bone issue. So, Texas A&M's got Arkansas this Saturday, down in uh, in Jerry's World in Arlington. 
See where it takes us. How big a deal is this for Texas A&M? I do need to revise a take I had um, yesterday or Monday about that because how often do you see backup quarterbacks come in games and sling the ball around a little bit and then when teams are prepared for that guy the next week they go back down to normal? Because uh, he looked good right against Auburn. He, he threw the ball around well, ran uh, well and, and stuff like that. But one, Auburn's a disaster. And, you know, we've seen – Max Johnson played before in the SEC, and maybe the the change of scenery is good for him and stuff like that. Maybe he's gotten a lot better, but I do think now that Arkansas is going to be aware of who he is and strengths and weaknesses and, and all that stuff, they will be better prepared to not let him yeah, just sling it around the yard a, a little bit. You know, I, I just we've seen that phenomenon before, and I got caught up in, wow, he looked good and didn't think about... We've seen that a lot, where backups come in and they look good, and then yeah, they but, don't. There's a reason that he wasn't starting. There's there's a reason that it was Wiegman and, and not him, because he's not as good as Wiegman. Jimbo and Bobby Petrino, say what you want about Jimbo, but they're not playing a worse quarterback. Correct. No, no, I, I, I agree with you, but Max Johnson's numbers are good. In 2020, he threw for 1,000 yards with eight touchdowns and, and one interception in yeah, kind of limited playing time at LSU. In 2021, as the primary starter, he completed 60% for 2,800 yards with 27 touchdowns and six picks. Last year, he completed 61% for 500 yards, three touchdowns, and no picks. And so far this season, he's completing 64.5% with four touchdowns and, and no interceptions. He's a good quarterback. Certainly not bad. Like yeah. you, This injury doesn't derail their season, but... You know, I was talking to a buddy about this earlier, and it, he asked me the same question. You know, what does it mean? And I said it was already a winnable game, so that that doesn't change, um, and it doesn't make it an automatic W either. I, it, I would argue they're slightly worse, slightly worse at the most important position on the field, but it really doesn't change the way I look at the A and M game for either Ole Miss or State. I think yeah. it's about the same. I think all three of us picked both Ole Miss and Mississippi State to win that game when those two teams met this year, just kind of based on what we've seen in I did recent not. years. I did not. I picked State to lose to A&M. And then after the Miami week game, I was thinking, okay, maybe State's got a shot there, and then State has played the way they've played, and I, I don't want to change that pick. But that being said, it, it's sort of what Borky hit on, right? He is the backup, which means you know he's not as good as a starter. So A&M is going to need him to play at a high level because Arkansas, especially if they have Rocket Sanders this weekend, is going to be able to put points on the board. Uh, so... Max Johnson's got to step in, and you know, the, I, one thing that he he can sort of may take solace in a little bit, and I don't know if this is morbid or not, but like we said, he's out for a long time. He's not looking over his shoulder saying, "Okay, is this the week where Connor Wiegman comes back and takes this job?" You can just go out there and play. You're the starter. You don't have anything to worry about. Really cool moment for uh, for Max Johnson and the Johnson family last week. One of his two touchdown passes against Auburn. Was to his younger brother. That is cool. Yeah, I mean, not 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 in mop up duty in a in a directional school by game. Talking about an SEC game in front of a hundred thousand people in your home stadium. Can you imagine how his parents must have felt? I mean, all, all three of us are dads. Uh, hey, Dad, you've got two girls. I've got two girls and a boy. Borky's got a boy. So we, we don't have, like, you know, two sons that are within two or three years of each other and both are super athletic when right. we ourselves are former NFL players as well. 
But but even so, I mean, like, hey, Dad, I don't know if you have this, but my guess is that your daughters sometimes argue with each other, but then there are moments when, like, it's, all, it's almost like nobody's watching, and sometimes they're really kind to each other and really sweet to each other, yeah, and, like, you're just bubbling yeah. with pride when that happens. Um, it, Did you see the video uh, out of Major League Baseball recently? I had to look up the names, frankly, because I didn't remember, but uh, uh, Orion... Kirkering made his major league debut with uh, the uh, the Phillies, and to the the Mets. I think it was the Mets broadcast found his dad. So so the opposing broadcast found his dad in the first inning of his major league debut, and his dad is a sixty year old ex marine, and he is crying the entire first inning. I mean, every pitch, his dad is bawling, crying, watching his son make his major league debut. It was awesome. That's really cool. I mean, you, you, awesome, can, you can see the toughness in his face and body, too. Like, you, you know he's a no-nonsense guy, but then he watched his son out he's, there pitching. And he's just, just sitting there mad at himself that he's crying. <laughs> yeah. He's like, get, get a hold of yourself. Hey, Dad, you don't strike me as much of a crier. What, <laughs> uh, what causes the tears to well up for you? I'm trying to think the last time I cried. Uh, I mean, I, you know. I can remember the last time I cried is when my beloved cat Samson died on Thanksgiving Day 2020. Gotcha. So it's got to be something like genuinely, like you are not moved to te- to tears because of like overwhelming emotion other than like sadness. Um, I guess not. I don't know. I've never been so happy yet that I could cry, I guess you could say. Yeah. I'm a laugher uh, when I'm when I'm happy. Yeah, that's good. Man, I, I don't know if it's, like, getting older or what, but, I mean, if I watch, I mean, obviously, there, there are a few things that, like, kind of get everybody. Like, one of the military reunions where a mom or a dad comes home. Oh, yeah, yeah. Every and, time. And, yeah. and kid. I mean, forget Every it. Time. I'm like waterworks. Yeah. I mean, it's, like, tears streaming down my face. But yeah, I've yeah. kind of gotten to the point where it's, like, like, the nostalgia of college football will get me. And, like, if I'm... Like listening to, I don't know, band fight song music that's kind of moving or something like that. I'll look up and like I'll have the have the tears going just a touch. Um, Mike, look, I know they can't play it in the stands. I'm not advocating they play it in the stands. Whatever. From Dixie with Love, like we listen to that on Friday mornings of home games on the way to school. Like if I'm around, we play that in the car, and my kids love it. And doggone, if I don't, like, look in the, the rearview mirror and see them just, like, grinning ear to ear, and I'm like, wait, what's wrong? Oh, jeez, I got, like, tears streaming down my face. Uh, I, whatever. Um, but but it's not like, I mean, it, it's because of, like, 30 years of memories that just kind of flood back with that. Mm-hmm. Some good memories in there. A lot of bad ones. What, what, are, you, what are you snickering about there, Borky? Uh, nothing. Oh, is it a text message? Or are you just laughing? Yeah, at me? I, I, I got a message that. Yeah. Okay. Um, Dwayne and Brandon says the Gale Sayers story gets him every time. <laughs> it's a pretty good one as well. Back to Sports Talk Mississippi. Are you ready on the Super Talk app, supertalk.fm, and always on your local Super Talk Mississippi station.
Welcome back to Sports Talk Mississippi with you on this Wednesday afternoon, middle of the week, moving closer toward a weekend with a couple of big games in the Magnolia State. Ole Miss hosting LSU on Saturday night. Later Saturday night, it is Mississippi State and Alabama from Starkville. And joining us to talk a little bit about that ball game is Chris Stewart, who is the radio play-by-play voice of the Alabama Crimson Tide, the longtime voice of Alabama basketball and baseball Last year, he, he did football for the entire season. This year, he's doing the road games. Eli Gold has been able to come back from uh, some of his health issues. And my friend, I have said this to you privately. I want to say it publicly as well. I am so uh, happy for you with all your success. I, I know last year had its challenges, and so does this year, but you've done a uh, gracefully done a remarkable job. and just couldn't be any happy for you, Chris. You're very kind. I appreciate it very much, and uh, I even more so appreciate you showing uh, your kindness by, for the first time ever, bringing me into a radio segment. All the interviews I've done, I don't think I've ever been brought in with uh, Eddie Grant, Electric Avenue before, and uh, I appreciate that. That was outstanding. That was outstanding. I would love I would it. love Thank to take you. credit for that, but that is all Michael Borky. So Borky gets uh, all the credit Michael, for that, but we will Michael's roll with outstanding it. Outstanding, and has gone up another notch uh, uh, in in, in uh, my thoughts of him because uh, that's outstanding. So thank you much. So Chris, so much was made last week of all of the uh, the Lane Kiffin stuff and how Nick Saban responded to it, and I feel like kind of lost in that was how well Alabama played defensively last week. Was that the best? Yeah. Um, that the tide has been on the defensive side of the ball this year? You know, I think they've been good most weeks. I thought mm-hmm. for the most part they were good against Texas, let it get away somewhat in the fourth quarter, unfortunately. But I think it's a really good, really salty, deep defensive unit uh, and kind of thought coming in this is what they would be. But I, I, they're really, you're always going to be tested when you got to line up against the team that Lane coaches. He's a great play caller. He's he's a great coach in that regard, and uh, you you better be prepared. You better be fundamentally sound. You better make sure you take care of your assignments and don't get caught looking at all the eye candy that can be there. And Bam, I thought was really really good in in all those facets, and that's the reason they came out and did as well as they did. They got some things thrown at them on that initial drive in that first quarter that resulted in uh, giving up the score and falling behind and down at the half. But they didn't let it become a pattern throughout the course of the game and to hold any team these days, but especially a Lane Kiffin coach team, to just three after midway through the first quarter. That's a heck of an accomplishment. Chris, you, you've watched every snap that Jalen Milrow has taken uh, this year, and so much has been made about the quarterback position, not just in the season, but leading into the season, who it was going to be, going back to the spring and, and everything did, did you get the sense that he played last week like a weight had been lifted off of his shoulders yeah. and he just got to go perform? Yeah, and look, I don't know if this is accurate or not, but, but what's kind of come to my mind, and I've said this in a couple of interviews today, Richard, is you remember Jake Coker, his yeah. senior Everybody thought he was going to win the job. He transfers from Florida State, and he was on – he hadn't even won the starting job over Blake Sims. And by the way, did not win the starting job over Blake Sims his first year in Tuscaloosa. He was already on a preseason Heisman Trophy watch list. 
and didn't win the job. And that's not a criticism of Jake at all. Jake stuck with it, was the starter going into his senior year, lost the job, I think, to Cooper Bateman, and it took all of about a game and a half at most for him to get the job back. He started against Georgia, and after that game, there was no doubt. Jake Coker's your guy the rest of the year, and they won a national championship with him. Okay? Jalen Milrow's a different type quarterback. He's a, 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 a different athlete. When he's on the field, he may be the best running option that Alabama has, which is not a criticism of Jace McClellan or any of the other guys. That's just how talented he is. But I don't know that he was put in the best position against Texas to be successful. And two touchdowns that he was involved with, or excuse me, one touchdown that he was involved with, at least, came off the board uh, because of a penalty. So he made two terrible throws in the game. Terrible throws that resulted in interceptions. But his upside, and when he's put in the right spot and makes the right read, he is a very elite talent. And if he can kind of stay out of his own way and he gets put in the right position in terms of the play calling, which I thought happened 21 of 17, 225, yay, threw a bad pick, but he also had an incredible touchdown pass where he got leveled. Knew he was going to get leveled and still developed, leaping into the air while he threw it, a fantastic pass for a score. He is uh, he's a difference maker. And as Tommy Reese learns how to use him, and now that it's been established that he's the guy, I think there's some real upside potential for this team going forward on the offensive side of the ball. Headed to Starkville this Saturday night. Um, I feel like this dovetails with what we were just talking about because the, the, the portion of the passing game where Jalen Milrow has excelled has been in throwing the deep ball. Throws just such a beautiful yeah. deep ball. It's a driving spiral. It's a catchable right. ball. Mississippi State has been susceptible to uh, to big plays over the last couple of weeks, whether it was Malik Neighbors two weeks ago or Xavier Leggett last week uh, against South Carolina. Do you see an opportunity there for Alabama, and, and do you think that's a big part of what they will try to do offensively? Yeah, I do. And, look, I'm not going to sit here and, and claim to, to know all about Mississippi State yet, but just based on what we've seen from him, if Alabama can give him a little time, if he can mix in some of the intermediate stuff that he was a lot better at this week, um, you know, spreading the wealth. He he completed those 17 passes to 10 different receivers. Mm. He's got a lot of weapons available to him, and he used them. And the tight ends made some great grabs, and there's a bunch of guys that can line up at tight end that can catch the football as well as block. But if they do that effectively and can get just a little bit in the intermediate and give him some time when you do want to take chances deep, you're right. He's very accurate. He's got phenomenal arm strength. They've got receivers that are better, I think, more of them than they had last year and more consistent than they were a year ago. I think this can be still a very explosive offensive football team and need a little confidence, need a little momentum, and I think they've gained that with what they did. Granted, it wasn't Milro at quarterback on that final drive against USF, but they took, they got the ball with six and a half minutes to go, chewed six minutes off the clock and got the deciding touchdown to make sure there was no chance for South Florida to have a, a goofy play happen and win the game. 
you do that collectively as an offensive unit, especially the offensive line. And even though you didn't play great in the first half against Ole Miss, you hung around and then looked great coming out of the locker room in the second half. Now you try to build on that, and you better, because I think despite not having their quarterback, A&M's probably going to bring a few more um, a few more challenges than maybe even Ole Miss did in that game a week ago. And now A&M's in two weeks, I know, but State yeah. this particular week, uh, they'll be ready to go for that one. I apologize. I had my maroon mixed up and was, was looking <laughs> ahead to two weeks from now. It's all right. Adidas does the same thing. They're, they're yeah, used to. I got you. Um, Chris Stewart, you. Crimson Tide Sports Network. Uh, last thing for you. We've got about, about two minutes left. Um, there was the story last week where a anonymous close friend of Nick Saban said some things that made it sound like, you know, the end is probably not far away. He didn't put a specific timetable on it, whoever the, the friend was. Uh, I'm not painting you into a quarter on this at all. I am curious, because you've been around Nick Saban for so long, does it feel any different this year or the last couple of years than maybe it did for the last decade and a half? No, it really doesn't. Um, I've said this for years, and this you know I'm not directing this at you, but people, you know, if you say something enough times, eventually it'll be right. (laughs) And people have been saying this every year, ever since they finally stopped the narrative that he was going to leave Tuscaloosa. And I understood why the first five years everybody kept talking about, oh, he's going to go here, he's going to go here. The guy hadn't stuck around very long at any one place. It's natural they would go that route. Well, then it switched from he's going to go somewhere else to, well, he's going to hang it up. He's going to hang it up. Someday he will. I hope it's not for a long time from now. I hope he stays healthy. Yeah, we can agree to disagree on that, but okay. Okay, I got you. But <laughs> he is uh, he is he's going to coach as long as I think, as long as his health will allow him, as long as he enjoys it. If he doesn't enjoy it anymore, then I think we'll see him on TV, and he'll be he'll be as good on television as he is on the sidelines. I think he'll be fantastic. Best thing we do with him. I know you're out of time. Best thing we do with him every week on that TV show on the home games is mm-hmm. when he draws up a play on the Telestrator. It's the most watched part of it. It's the most commented on part, and it's the part where he has the most fun because it's him teaching, coaching, mm-hmm. and I think he will enjoy doing that on TV almost as much as he does on the field. He'll be really, really good at it when he does. And and you also get to see a lighter side of him with the, the radio show on, uh, I guess it's Thursday yeah. nights that you guys do as well. Chris, always appreciate your time. Safe travels to you, and uh, look forward to catching up soon. Same here, Richard. Appreciate you, buddy. Chris Stewart on the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. We'll be right back. Take the friggin' wax out of your head. Did you hear me? This is Sports Talk. This is sports Talk. Mississippi. Woo-hoo! I say sports fans. Now, here's more on Super Talk Mississippi. By the way, I was just kidding around with my Adidas mixing up the Maroons comment. I, I meant no ill by that. Just and they've, it they've true. it. Okay, I mean, it's it's a true story. Yes, yeah. y- yes, it is. 
Alongside Brian Haydad and Michael Borky, I'm Richard Cross with you on Sports Talk Mississippi on <laughs> Pearl River Resort Studio. We've got this big weekend coming up, but it's never too early to take a peek ahead to the following weekend. We had TV times announced earlier this week, and I don't think we've referenced these. Top 25 not. matchup in Columbia, Missouri. This, these are the games for Saturday, October 7th, LSU and Missouri. At 11 a.m., straight out of game day on ESPN, and Missouri fans are big mad. What a weird... Well, they need to get over it, first of all. Uh, welcome to primetime, Missouri fans. 11 a.m. is is the new primetime. Um, literally, with Colorado being at 11 a.m. on Fox every single week because of primetime. Prime yeah, imagine that. Um, what a weird spot for LSU, though. Likely an undefeated Missouri team. Game's already sold out, been sold out for like two weeks. And LSU fans can say what they want about Ole Miss. A rivalry game. A a pretty hot and contested rivalry game where they're going to have to go on the road and it's going to be as big of a crowd as that stadium can have and it's going to be pretty charged up and they're going to have to play well and win after a really close win last week. It's really easy to sleepwalk into Missouri at 11 a.m., and Missouri won't be sleepwalking into Missouri oh, at 11 a.m. No, 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 Michael Borky. You are so wrong. Yeah. Clearly, you are not aware of the practices that go into place pregame for LSU so that they do not sleepwalk into a highly charged environment for an 11 a.m. game. It, I mean, it's it's so Party crazy that outside of Como. They, will, they will blast music during their team meal to make sure that everybody is awake. And uh, my guess is that somewhere between the hotel and the stadium, there will be a stop at a uh, 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 some sort of business for uh, for calisthenics and, and the such, maybe. I, they had an hour drive. Or they said it was an hour drive. That's not an hour drive from where, – where were they staying? Hey, where was LSU staying? They're in Tupelo. Oh, well, it is an hour drive. Mm-hmm. I just assumed that they were in Columbus or West Point. So, okay. So, yeah, I guess if they were coming from yeah. Tupelo, stopping in West Point on the way to Starkville would make the uh, well, make the most sense. Maybe they'll so. stay in St. Louis, and, and Brian Kelly can pull off and stop at another car dealership on perhaps, the way there. Per, perhaps they will do just that. Um, stop at the, uh, the fried pie shop there uh, along the way to St. Louis. That's where well, I would Here's start. my question, is if you... If you own a local business, do you tell them, no, you may not use my property to stretch on game day? Absolutely. Yeah, no, you find somewhere else. Uh, I've got to secure the space for some hot deals, all right? Yeah. You are welcome. You are welcome to use this space if each and every one of your players uh, buys a car from me. Yeah. What's your contract, Brian? Hundred million dollars? Yeah, we've got, got a brand we've new got Ford championship financing. Let's yeah. go. Drive like a winner today. Let's go. I can't see Brian Kelly <clears throat> in a Ford Super Duty. The big. What do you big, think Brian F-250? Kelly drives? He drives a big family vehicle. <laughs> see a minivan yeah. guy. Hey, Dad. Yeah, I, I'm going he's, to he's say an excursion. That, I'm going to say that Brian Kelly drives a Mercedes sedan. The small Mercedes is what I... No, not the small one. 
I mean, the man's got a $100 million oh, contract. Oh, but a small one, not like the smallest one they offer, but a, like a car, a Mercedes yeah, car. Yeah, like like an S-Class. Yeah. yeah. Just guessing. I don't know. Uh, also, that would be a fun summer exercise. Pick the car that best fits an SEC head coach. It would be. Yeah. Yeah. Like Ed Orgeron, obviously, Hummer. I know he's not a coach oh, anymore, but... I mean, Zach, Zach Arnett clearly is driving a Ford F-150 Raptor edition. 250. F-250. Well, uh, the reason I said 150, that's why I said the Raptor edition, because it's the one that's got kind of the souped-up okay. motor and the bigger tires that come stock, okay. and it's kind of the, the Raptor. Him, yeah. Google that one and, yeah. and, and check it out and see if that makes sense to you. Okay. Okay. Uh, be happy to. I can see Jimbo in an F-250. I can see that. Um. I guess I mean I yeah, already know. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. We can we can go with that. Sure. Yeah. L- Lane Eli Drinkwitz. Elaine drives a Yukon. Eli Drinkwitz drives an Xterra. Yeah, but that's not how. But that's not what we're doing here. We're, we're what should they be driving? Lane Lane and a Yukon. No, Lane should be in some sort of flashy sports car. He's kind of a Maserati guy. Something like that. A fine Italian sports car with one of those like mirror paint jobs on it too. I suppose. What does Josh Heupel drive? <laughs> I a, can't. a hybrid vehicle. Yeah. <laughs> a hybrid? For Heupel? He, he, he's got the Chevy Volt. Yeah. Hey. All right, here, here's the rest of the TV schedule. Western Michigan, okay, we'll do it when we come back. Sports <laughs> Talk Mississippi in the Pearl River Resort Studio. Sports Talk Mississippi, your new home for exclusive sports coverage here in the Magnolia State. Let me put it to you this way. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome back. Sports Talk Mississippi rolling into the 4 o'clock hour. Thanks for being with us. You want to be part of the conversation, you can join us on the C Spire text line, 601-879-4395. Have you heard about the Connect and Protect plan from C Spire? It's the, uh, the, the device that your kids want and the protection that you demand for your kids online. Uh, keep up with what they're doing. Make sure that they are not being exposed to things that they shouldn't be exposed to through their phone. You can learn more about Connect and Protect online at cspire.com. Glad to be with you. If uh, you would like to, um, if you'd like to join us, that's the best way to do it on the Ceasefire text line. Uh, coming to you from the Pearl River Resort Studio. Pearl River Resort is the home of the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club. Visit uh, dancinggramatgolf.com. You can book your tee time for either the Oaks or the Azaleas. Golf courses are in pristine condition right now. Right, you got leaves starting to fall, which is a little frustrating because sometimes it's hard to find your golf ball even when it's in a good spot. Like, because they're like sun, bright sun, glistening, leaves on the ground. Borky, you ever had that happen? We're like, it should be right here. Where is it? But there are all these stupid leaves and I can't find it. Borky's going to say, no, I only hit it in the middle of the fairway. 
I mean, pretty much, yeah. Yeah, pretty pretty much, sure. Yeah, yeah my miss is a little right, though, you know. Yeah, yeah it happens. Um, I get it. But firm and fast conditions, everything's still good and green and plush. Green's rolling nicely. Now is the time, dancingrabbitgolf.com. Uh, I, I said we would finish the uh, the TV times. I was thinking we we got a message. I thought this was a really good one. We we were I don't know how we got there, but we were deciding what vehicles SEC football head coaches should be driving. Mm-hmm. And somebody suggests that um, Sam Pittman driving an old school Bronco. I love. Oh, it. I could see that. Yeah, yeah, one hundred percent, one hundred percent. So let me ask you this: Is this like a uh, late '60s, early '70s refurbished, like old style Bronco, or are we talking like '93, '94, '95, the the two tone, no. you know, the blue with the tan top, the old or, school, okay, the old school one, yeah, thing's a monster. He also has one of the nice new ones though too. Oh yeah, he's got both. Yeah, the the vehicle that I wanted for my entire life was mm-hmm. the Eddie Bauer edition Ford Bronco. They stopped making yeah. those in nineteen ninety six, I think. You could do the you could do the kind of cream with the tan top or the black or the navy blue or that kind of deep red or the emerald green. They were so nice. A two door big old hunking thing. Them, got yeah. about eleven miles to the gallon, something like that. Oh, they were great. They were great. Maybe one day. Maybe maybe get one of those vintage one day. Um, yeah. But yeah, Sam Sam Pittman in a uh, in in a retro Bronco, pretty good call. Boy, I got no problem me, seeing that. SEC coach most likely to drive the Tesla Cybertruck. <laughs> we had this discussion. Yeah, he's talking about it during it's the Eli. break. We went with it's Eli. Eli Drinkwitz, no questions asked. Like yeah. He thinks that makes him cool. Yeah. Yes, exactly. 100% thinks it makes him cool. Zach says, where does... you watch Better Call Saul? No, I haven't. Richard, did you rip Borky? Better Call Saul? No. Never seen it. Okay. There's there's a guy in there who's like a real nerd, but he buys a Hummer, and he thinks it's the cool... It's like a bright yellow Hummer. He thinks it's the coolest thing ever. And it's not. So I was thinking that could be Drinkwitz. Yeah. Uh, all right, quickly, the uh, the rest of the TV slate for next weekend, October the 7th. So you got LSU, Missouri at 11, Western Michigan at Mississippi State at 11. Mm-hmm. Okay time for that one? Perfect time. Perfect time for Hayden. Perfect for your boy. Uh, Perfect for your boy. Zach Selman should personally hand a $100 bill to every fan that is walking out of the stadium after the clock hits zero in the fourth quarter. If you are there for an 11 a.m. kickoff against Western Michigan and you stay the entire game and you leave the stadium after the fourth quarter, Zach Selman himself should hand you a, like a bank crisp, not touched, like it comes out of the envelope, $100 bill as you walk out of the stadium. You should, go another, you should go in a different way with that and just say, we're going to raffle off $100,000, but you have to be in your seat at the end of the game to claim it. Why don't they do 50-50 raffles for collectives, by the way? Or charity as well, if you actually you know care about doing good in the world. But why is that not a thing that they've implemented? Here, hey, Bulldog Initiative, Grove Collective, 50-50 raffle. And if you're not familiar with what that is, 
It's a, a raffle at games where you buy raffle tickets at however many you want, and half of the money goes to the winner that is that is raised for the game, and the other half goes to whatever organization that they're raising money for. They do it at Major League Baseball games all the time. The Grove Collective 50-50 raffle on Saturday night would make a killing, and you could, you know, go get a linebacker or whatever with with one game's worth of 50-50 raffle. It's a no-brainer. Makes a lot of sense. I mean, are, are there laws against it in Mississippi? There are, There's got to be something against that. Buddy, there are no laws anymore. It's too close to game. It's true. If, if you, what you do is if you're in the stands and somebody says something to you, they I think that's illegal. Just go buy a white claw down at the at the concession stand. There's no laws. Hence, there would be no laws. I mean, what are they going to do? <sighs> you know, what's anybody going to do about it? Two two thirty CBS, Alabama at Texas A and M. I really thought that would be Ole Miss Arkansas, but I guess not. <clears throat> 4 o'clock Eastern Time, 3 Central, Vanderbilt at Florida. Uh, 6 o'clock uh, on ESPN, Kentucky at Georgia. in plain sight. Yeah. 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 And then Arkansas Ole Miss is at 6.30 on the SEC Network. That will be Ole Miss's third home night game of the year. Yeah. And could have been their fourth if the head coach had not elected to play, you know, on the <laughs> surface of the sun for the season opener. But, and your boy will be there. Yeah, what's you just love that game so much, and State's got an open date, so you said, hey, let's do it? Is that the deal? Well, they don't have an open date. They open play date. at 11. So well, I'll cover right. that game. It's and kind of like I'll an head up to date. Oxford. Yeah. I got you. It's kind of, I hope, it's, I hope it, it is, it, Borky. It needs to be. I've, seen, I've seen it not be. Yeah, I've seen them have to work on those days. Is this part of a bed or what? No, just me and, me and a friend of mine. There you go. Very fun. Sounds like a great time. Hey, by the way, Can't Brian Haydad needs a parking pass. If you uh, want to help him with that, you can text the ceasefire text line at 601-879-4395. Oh, that's also um, the stripeout game, Haydad. Make sure that you've got your powder blue or red, depending on the section that you're going to be sitting in. It's very very important that you participate. I will I will, uh, I will. will do my best. Maroon no, blends in with red enough to where hey, it looked hey, like look, you were hey, participating. Just I wear the so. shirt he's got on. He's like, I thought it was a stripe out. I've got stripes on. I'm, I'm, I've done my part. Yeah, I think it's green. Uh, I'm not. I don't wear maroon to the games at state, though. I'm not gonna. Well, but you know that's different. You're you're not going to the Ole Miss game in a professional setting. I'm not so going to go home and change clothes, though. Of all I'm people go to the you game. could wear to maroon to a Mississippi State game, you wear a maroon shirt with a big old walking bully on it on this radio show about half the time. That's different. No, That's it's different. not. This is a professional. It's different. Okay, How I can't even different? finish that. Uh, it's it's different for me. I, in the press box, I'm there. I'm not there to represent Mississippi State. I'm there to represent Super Talk Mississippi. I wear these awesome genteel polos that I've got. Very good. So, and people are like, what is that logo right there? Well, that's Super Talk. That's who I work for. That's the uh, biggest media organization in this state, which means I'm the biggest Mississippi State media voice in this state. How you like them apples? That's what I do. Hmm. Um, Mark in Gulfport says they do 50-50 raffle, t- uh, raffle tickets at every hockey game on the coast. Um. Jeff says they do them at high school football games. Here's another one we do them at high school football games. Borky, you may be onto something. 
I'm telling you, I need to be run, not running these collectives because, like, you know, smarter people are doing it. But they need to just call me and be like, hey, the what do you think? collective. Yeah, what do you think about this? It just, just ideas, man. Although, uh, the special consultant. Yeah, the branded alcohol thing would have definitely been a me idea, and they, they beat me to that. So maybe they're innovating in ways that, that I can't keep up with. Yeah. Maybe so. Did Borky just admit that he's not the smartest guy in the world? Brother, I do that every day of my life. Well, you don't actually admit it. You just talk, and we know. Yeah, I, yeah you know, telling myself every day. You, uh, you're you saying it's the, uh, the same thing, huh? No, like I would never tell it. I don't think I'm smarter than a doctor, but I'm smarter than all of you, unless there's a doctor listening. I'm pretty sure there is. I bet at there least is. one. Yeah. Anytime we talk at about injuries, one. we get the flurry of. Yeah. You know, yeah. here's what it is. Hey, Probably uh, there might be a theoretical physicist listening for all we know, or an astronomer. Yeah. Perhaps. Um. So, coming up next, Chris Blair will join us. He is the radio play-by-play voice of the LSU Tigers. We'll talk a little bit more about the matchup with LSU and Ole Miss when we come back. Nothing brings people together and forms a lasting bond like sports. Sports Talk Mississippi. Covering your favorite teams like no one else. On the Super Talk app, supertalk.fm, and on your local Super Talk Mississippi radio station. Welcome again, Sports Talk Mississippi with you on this Wednesday afternoon, middle of the week. We talked a little earlier today with Chris Stewart from the Crimson Tide Sports Network about Mississippi State's game with Alabama on Saturday night. Let's now do the same thing with the voice of the LSU Tigers, Chris Blair from the LSU Sports Radio Network. He, uh, he took over that job in 2016, starting the 2016 baseball season, then rolled into uh, football and men's basketball as well. He has been behind the microphone for a, uh, a baseball national championship and a, uh, a football national championship. Chris, I hope you will uh, allow me one broadcasting question uh, before we dive into this matchup. Uh, you good with that? Oh, sure, Rich. Anything you want. So... LSU's fan base to me is a, a unique one. And the guy that you followed, Jim, Jim Hawthorne, um, it was, if he got frustrated with what was happening on the field, he, he never minds saying so. I feel like LSU fans want you to be one of them, but they expect you to tell the truth. Is, is that a fair way to describe it? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think that's pretty accurate. Um, you know, I like to tell people that if, if I'm doing my job right, you can typically turn the game on. And it won't take 30 seconds to figure out if things are going well for the Tigers or, or, or they're not. Um, you know, I, I typically coming up, I, I try not to, you know, blame other teams, blame officials. A lot of times it's just, you know, teams not playing very well. And, um, you know, a lot of times you can do that by, uh, you know, rehashing the fact that they've attempted 22 carries on the ground and have, you know, 25 yards. Uh, without having to, to get real explicit, uh, you yeah. can kind of hammer your point home that way. But, yeah, without question, I, I think LSU is a fan base that, you know, when things are going well, they want to celebrate with you on the air. And when things are not going well, they want to commiserate. And uh, uh, that's that's a very accurate assessment. 
Chris, this is a fascinating LSU team to me. I don't know that there was a game that was hyped during the offseason more than the uh, the Sunday night opener against Florida State. And the, the game delivered for the first half, obviously, uh, LSU disappointed in the way that it finished. And then played better for the next couple of weeks and then just blow the doors off in Starkville two weeks ago. What is this team? Is, is it a team that's still evolving, or are they growing? Do they have an identity that is unquestionable at this point? Yeah, I think offensively they they have you know kind of created their identity, and it's all built around you know Jaden Daniels in his second year at the helm, uh, his comfortability. Um, you know, he's kind of an even kill guy. He's got that West Coast vibe. Never gets too high, never gets too low. But I think he would admit, from a confidence standpoint relying on the weapons that are around him, um, he's doing a much better job of this year. So I think from an identity standpoint, I mean, it's a it's a deep receiver's room. Uh, Daniels has been willing to, to push the ball down the field. Took maybe six, seven weeks last year for him to really do that. Uh, and, and again, truth be told, I'm not sure if it was just him not feeling comfortable doing it or based on what's seen at practice, the coaches weren't, you know, calling those type plays. But, yeah. you know, we've seen him stretch the field a lot more. And, and, again, it's because he's got guys like Malik Neighbors and Brian Thomas Jr. and Chris Hilton and Kyron Lacey and uh, Mason Taylor, who, again, is back healthy after missing uh, the Mississippi State game. So I think uh, the identity on offense is there. I think defensively, uh, they, yes, very much a work in progress, uh, mainly in the secondary. I think that's the biggest question mark, and that wouldn't surprise anybody because last year you had to go to the transfer portal and try to fill that void, um, and you had to do it again this year. Um, and, you know, when you take a number of guys that you're relying on out of the transfer portal, yeah, you've seen their film. Yeah, you've done your due diligence. But, you know, when you put them in an SEC matchup under the lights, uh, on that stage, you really have no idea how they're going to play. And, and I think they're getting better, but they're certainly a, a work in progress. So it's, it's, it's kind of the way LSU, I think, right now, Richard, is a team that, if truth be told, they've got to go out and score people. And, you know, they put it together defensively against Mississippi State. Um, but then last week, I mean, Arkansas, again, over 430 yards of offense, 31 points for the second straight week, and, and they had 11 penalties um, and came within, uh, you know, getting the ball back with a chance to possibly put it into overtime or win the game. So um, it's kind of been up or down, hit or miss with the defense, and they'll be challenged again with another dangerous quarterback that can hurt you both on the ground and, and through the air coming up Saturday evening in, in Oxford. Correct me if I'm wrong on this, and, and this, this may be an observation that's off base. This feels like, or at least through four weeks, looks like a team that has the ability to kind of flip the switch on offense, and when they get it going, they can pile points up in a hurry. Now, the the good of that is it's always there. You can flip the switch, and you can make things happen in a hurry. The bad of that is sometimes you get yourself in a spot where it's gotten too late. I, I thought the first half against Arkansas, at least as best I could watch while I was broadcasting another game, was was really clunky, and then the second half it was kind of like that that switch flipped is that a is that a reasonable observation or is that off base? No, I think there's a reasonable observation. Again, I think there's a small sample size to say is that this team in fact. You know, the opening game of the season against Florida State, it was it was an energy issue. I mean, neither team was spectacular in the first half and you kind of expect that week number 1, very talented on both sides of the ball. Uh, but then in the second half, LSU just had no energy. I mean, it it it, it they no sense of urgency. Um and before they knew it, 
they were down two scores and three scores. And, you know, truth be told, I don't think Florida State, while I think it's one of the better teams in the country, by the way, I don't think they're a three-touchdown team better than, than LSU. But they had the energy and they had the sense of urgency. Against Mississippi State, it was, you know, they got them going early. Uh, they got off to a quick start. They kept their foot on the, the pedal and, and left no doubt in the second half. Against Arkansas, you're exactly right. I mean, it was very clunky. First quarter, uh, it looked like maybe Jaden was too amped up. You know, his passes were, were mm. kind of off the mark, too much on him, uh, not enough touch. And then he hit Brian Thomas Jr. on the last possession of, of the second quarter. And then the next three possessions, beginning with the start of the third quarter, uh, they were on. So it was almost as if once they hit that, he settled down. Yeah, boom, 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 suddenly – LSU is clicking offensively. Again, they clicked the entire game against Mississippi State on the road at 11 a.m. It's a Saturday night in Death Valley, and it took them a quarter plus to get it going. So, again, I don't know if we have a sample size to say that is this team, but that's certainly it's, – it's, it's been different week to week. And this Saturday in Oxford, we have a late evening kick, a, a 5 o'clock kick for um, a game that I think both of these fan bases really look forward to. So Ole Miss have been really good offensively, or are pretty good offensively through the first three weeks, and, and then can't do anything against Alabama. Do you get the sense that we are headed perhaps toward a track meet on Saturday night, or maybe something else? Well, I know this, that you know a lot of people who follow Lane Kiffin outside of the SEC, you know, they, they know him obviously from his time as an OC, most recently at Alabama, where he took an offense that was, you know, run-oriented and then started to air it out. So there's this misnomer that, you know, Ole Miss, since he's been there, is going to throw the ball over the yard. Now they do. They do. They do. They've got a good quarterback who can do it and, and qualified receivers. But ever since I've seen Lane at Ole Miss, it's a team that spreads you out to run the football. Yep. And what's what's puzzling to me is I literally They're thought at the it. end of last year, that Judkins was the best running back by far in the SEC. And I'm not saying he's not now. The numbers certainly haven't shown it, uh, only averaging about three and a half yards per carry. So, you know, that's the only thing. I mean, offensively, they want to run the football. Now, I know he's not going to sit around and wait for it to get started, and eventually he'll just put it in the hands of Jackson Dart and say, go do your thing. Um, but but that's the thing that, I, I, that I'm most surprised about. 65 plays per game is a little surprising, although I know they scored – early and often against Mercer, so that kind of uh, bends that stat a little bit. But the inability to run the football to set up the pass in the big pass play is what's puzzling. Now, do I think they've got an offense to do it? Well, the numbers say they do. LSU's leading the SEC in points per game, and Ole Miss is right behind them. Um, and, And I think defensively for LSU, you've got the same thing you dealt with last week, minus maybe 35 pounds, K.J. Jefferson to to Jackson Dart. But I think you know, it's going to be a guessing game for Matt House. Do you want to put pressure on Dart, contain him in the pocket, not allow him to get out on the edge? But the longer that play happens, do you trust your secondary to, to cover the receivers? Because he can flick it down the field. Or do you play coverage? Uh, which, again, allows him to pick and choose what he wants to do, whether he wants to take the ball and run. So I, I think we'll see a little bit of both. But, you know, against Arkansas, they got home a couple of times and couldn't seal the deal. And, and K.J. was able to slip away and, and make a couple of huge plays, including a 59-yard touchdown pass uh, to a wide-open Hans down the field. So, you know, I think it's, it's going to be a guessing game for LSU defensively, and, and they'll have to pick when they want to bring pressure. But when they do, 
based on what we've seen from the secondary, Richard, they got to get home and they got to get him down. Yeah. Otherwise, they could be in a lot of trouble. Any chance they just give Harold Perkins the week off? I doubt it. I think okay. he's going to be. Uh, I, think I just thought I'd ask. I, you know, I didn't know. Maybe vacation time, PTO built up, something I think, like that. Uh, yeah, I think number four is going to be very integral on those times where they do want to put pressure. I, I think yeah. he's going to have to have uh, a good game. But uh, obviously, Lane and his staff are, are game planning for for number four. I'm sure as we speak. That is coming out party against Ole Miss a year ago. It certainly has been impressive. Chris, thanks so much for your time. Great catching up. Safe travels to you, and we'll talk soon. Absolutely, Richard. Good to talk with you and see you soon. Chris Blair, radio play-by-play voice of LSU on the LSU Sports Network. We'll take a timeout. Back with you after this. All guests appear on the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. Back to the sports. This is Sports Talk Mississippi. Sounds good. On Super Talk Mississippi. Conversation with uh, with Chris Blair. I just felt like I was giving him an opportunity to break some news there at the end. Hey, Harold Perkins going to take the week off. Some PTO built up, and he needed to use it before it got too late in the year, and didn't feel like he could get get his days in. No, I think he's planning on being part of the festivities. Oh, wonderful! I had to see him. You have to see him. He's uh, he's fair. pretty good. Yeah, you yeah, know what? I, I do give the LSU coaching staff credit for for one thing. <clears throat> they had to see with their own eyes how colossally stupid their idea was to move him to middle linebacker before they put him back out in the spot where it was like, hey, go get the quarterback. Is it a stupid idea, or or was he not capable of filling that role? I mean, having a dominant middle linebacker is so incredibly important for a defense. I mean, if you have somebody at that spot, that is as athletic as him, that can do everything, it makes sense giving that a shot, seeing if he is capable of being a well an all-around linebacker as opposed to just stand over there and try to get the quarterback. Mm. You, you can't scheme away from a dominant linebacker. You can scheme away from a rush end. Jadavion Clowney was dominant at South Carolina. Look at his numbers, though. They're not great. Why? Everybody schemed away from him. Because he he could do one thing. He was a pass rusher. But if you've got a guy that that is so well-rounded, that can rush the passer from multiple spots, that can yeah, be effective didn't, didn't in the run Julius game. Peppers that, have a pretty good career just being a pass rusher? I, I, I mean, Richard, I was like four. Okay, can we get a more recent example than than that? Just go away. When did he play at North Carolina? 1996? <laughs> when did he finish at Carolina, Borky? I don't I mean, know. Hey, Dad. <laughs> uh, around that time. 
No, I'm with you, though. I'm more just like trying him out at, at all-around <laughs> linebacker does make sense to me, and then clearly it, they were better served as a team to stop doing that in very short order. Yes, they took their best player and schemed him out of the game plan on defense. But anyway, the compliment to the LSU coaching staff was once they saw how stupid of an idea that was, they were like, yeah, let's let's put him back where he where he can affect games. Yeah. And we're getting and texts now about defensive ends that are good. Yes, like of course, there there are defensive ends that are awesome. Okay, like the Bosa brothers, T.J. Watt. Like yes, there are there are guys. Michael Parsons is phenomenal. I, I get it. I'm just saying, trying that guy out really at middle think, linebacker is not stupid. It just really didn't work. The Cowboys ought to like put ankle chains on Michael Parsons to make him stay in the tackle box. And, well, the, you know, just, just make plays there. I, I don't know if we should exactly be talking up what the Cowboys do right now. Did did you did you see last Sunday? Yeah, yeah, yeah they no, lost to a team that is trying to lose on purpose. I, I understand. I understand. Terrible. Let's not pretend like Michael Parsons is not oh, oh ridiculous. His his closing speed at his size should be illegal. Like, there's got to be laws against that. Uh, the just they they should put ankle weights on him because his ability is not fair sometimes, and how how he the the reaction. Like, like, I don't know, maybe it comes natural, maybe he works on it, but his ability to read snaps so well, his get-off at the snap is unbelievable. Mm-hmm. It's just a joy to watch. Well, let's rip through the scores from the NFL. We didn't really talk about last week all that much, kind of before we roll into this next week of NFL games. Browns beat the Titans, and the I Titans offensively way. are good. Golly, that's hard to watch. Yeah, Lions right. go to two and one to the win over the Falcons, twenty to six. Jared Goff with uh, passing touchdown, rushing touchdown. The Falcons will be in the quarterback sweepstakes. Uh, I think. I, I don't know if they're not exactly tanking yet, but you're noticing teams are losing patience early. You don't have three, four years to become a starter in the NFL, not anymore. And Ritter's at the moment not it. And if if you can, I don't think they're going to be the worst team in the league. But if Michael Penix is available in the top ten, he might be a Falcon next year. So Jordan Love throws for two fifty nine with a touchdown and a pick. As the Packers come back, they trailed seventeen to nothing. They scored eighteen fourth quarter points. That was in the absence of Derek Carr post shoulder injury. Any update on Carr? Best possible news. Just an AC sprain. Could play Sunday, probably won't, but next week seems likely. Dolphins beat the Broncos 70 to 20. We talked a little bit about this in Winners and Losers on Monday, but the numbers from this game were staggering. Tua was 23 of 26, 23 of 26 for 309 and four touchdowns. Devon H. Jane. Welcome to the NFL, kid. 18 carries, 203 yards. He averaged 11 yards per carry, had a 67-yard run, and scored two touchdowns. 350 yards on the ground, 376 yards through the air. Over seven. Devon Devon A. Chan. He changed his name. 
He's not changed just, his name. He's now D- Devon A. Chan. After after all these years of us saying A. Chan, we're wrong. He didn't change the lettering or anything. It's just <clears throat> that's what it no, actually is. I'm, I'm sorry. It, sort of like when Kayshawn Booty became Kayshawn Booty. You know, he was Boutte for a couple of years, and then yeah. he became Kayshawn That's on Booty. you. I, I, that's on you. Don't don't pretend like you don't hear people saying your name. Correct them early yeah. on. Give us the chance to get us right. Get it right. I would like but to if you let us hey dad from now on. Yeah. I really want to no. stress the dad part. Hadad. No. No, no that, that gets you pulled over at the airport. No. Chargers beat the Vikings 28-24. Justin Herbert throws for over 400 yards with three touchdowns. He's good. Um, really good. This, this one was ugly. Patriots fifteen to ten. If if you if you pretended that the um the the one two three four when you're looking at a box score was innings instead of quarters. Patriots and Jets were involved in a slugfest. Pat scored three in the top of the first, added seven more in the top of the second before the Jets got the offense going. It was ten three after two innings. Three more for the Patriots in the top of the third. They put a couple of insurance runs on the board in the top of the fourth. And it's a good thing because the Jets struck for a seven spot in the bottom of the fourth inning. Final score, 15-10. to 10. Pats over the Jets. Why have the Jets not made a move for a quarterback? Why did the Patriots score 3-7-3-2 three, three, in the four quarters? Uh, yeah, I don't know. Joe Willie Namath thinks they need to, though. It's created quite the, uh, quite the controversy. I mean, Rodgers is... It, you know who's out there, right? That's part of the question: is go get a quarterback. Well, who? Uh, you know, that, Alan Kaepernick is uh, requested to be on their practice squad. Saw that. Yeah, that's a story that just won't go away, will it? And just it'll never. Th- th- there are certain people in the media that will for uh, that will keep that story alive when nobody at all at this point wants that story to be alive, but they'll keep it alive. I, I feel like he kind of dug his own grave when he said, in the six years that I've been out of the league, I have continued to maintain a rigorous workout schedule. Yes, uh, congratulations. Did you miss the part where you said you'd been out of the league for six years? Six! It's a long time. Yeah, so he's a first grader. It's like you took six years of paternity leave and then said, hey, I'll come back. No. Mm. No. But, you know, who would they go get, right? I mean, they've got a team that can win, right? They don't even need great quarterback play, just good. And Rodgers is aging anyway. And, you know, I know he's doing, like, some super secret special, like, uh, Achilles healing regimen where he saw a shaman and whatever. But he's old, and he's getting up there. So do you just allow this season to be what it's going to be, which is you're not going to be the worst team in the league, so you can't get Caleb Williams – you're good everywhere else, so you will win games by default sometimes. Or do you make a move, try to get Jameis or somebody like that, and and see what you've got? Let's go pick up Chad Kelly. The um, it's, it's incredible, you know. The Bills beat the Commanders thirty-seven to three. Yeah, it's a brutal loss, but. Like Chad Kelly is doing well in Canada and 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 it's working out for him. Yeah, he is. Had he not walked into the wrong house for reasons that you can probably come up with and gotten beaten with a vacuum hose out of that house, he would have been the starting quarterback for the Denver Broncos. Had that not happened, oh, like two weeks later, 
he would have been the starting quarterback for the Denver Broncos. And his talent and ability absolutely would have kept him around. Instead, he's in Canada playing for the Argos. It did happen, though. It did happen. By the way, imagine losing a game 37-3, to and you're like, ah, wasn't the worst loss of the weekend. Yeah. At least we're not the Broncos. You know, when I when I think about that story and I like I, I imagine it in my head, I imagine my grandmother's vacuum. She had an old Electrolux. She's lucky to be lucky, lucky to be alive. Get hit with one of those. Yeah. Yeah. We'll be back. Sports Talk Mississippi. Now, back to Sports Talk Mississippi. Say that again. Please say. Now, back to Sports Talk Mississippi. Sorry. Poorly timed joke, completely inappropriate. On Super Talk Mississippi. Yeah! Look at the uh, rest of the scores from the NFL. Grab you a couple of uh, a couple of your texts on the ceasefire text line. Blaine Gabbard is statistically the worst starting quarterback in NFL history, and Cap couldn't beat him out in an open competition twice. And this was years ago. Yeah, yeah. There's and it's dying out. The, the more those reports come out, the more the response is, "All right, guys, enough." But there is a lot of revisionist history when it comes to the end of that. Oh yeah, there's no doubt. There's no doubt. Um, a lot of people letting us know that uh, that the uh, the Jets had signed Trevor Simeon. Yeah, guys, I'm talking about a starter, not Trevor Simeon. Trevor who? Yeah. Oh, Simeon. Okay. I, I'm I'm talking about if if the Vikings are are really actually considering moving on from Cousins. That those kind of guys and make your jokes about Jameis, but I would rather have Jameis than Trevor Simeon. And if if you give the Saints, so with the Saints, they had them both, and they kept Jameis. Yeah, the, those kind of guys, starters. Not with all due respect to Trevor Simeon, who seemed like a nice guy in his time in New Orleans. Not Trevor Simeon, lovely man, lovely man. But yeah, um, Texans over the Jaguars by twenty. Who saw that one coming? In Jacksonville, thirty-seven to seventeen. C.J. Stroud was good. He's really good. Yeah. He's good. Yeah. He's getting, I mean, early returns tell you he's going to be the best former Ohio State quarterback in the NFL. We'll see. Got, he, got, he might already be. Already yeah, maybe. Uh, Colts over the Ravens in overtime, 22-19. to Seahawks beat the Panthers, 37-27. to Panthers 0-3. Well, don't just gloss over our guy Minshew getting the win there. Yeah. He stepped in for a concussed Anthony Richardson and got the dub. What a life. If you can be the backup quarterback that won't screw it up and you study and you work hard and you're a good teammate, you can exist in that league forever, and he's a testament to that. Kind of hard not to like Gardner Minshew. He, 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 is, he is our new Ryan Fitzpatrick. Yeah. But he is the complete opposite of Ryan Fitzpatrick at the same time. Minshew's only 27. He could do this for 10 more years. Yep. Easily. Easily. Make another 30 40 $50 million. Yeah. Yeah, and would really be happy for him if he was able to do that. Seahawks over the Panthers, 37-27. Chiefs beat the Bears as badly as they wanted to, 41-10. Bears are 0-3. Uh, the 
Arizona Cardinals, 28-16 over the Cowboys. It's a brutal, brutal but, loss but for the Cowboys. But are you surprised? Cowboys do it every year. Yeah, but it's not the yeah, playoffs yet. Way. <laughs> there's, there's one or two of these in the regular season that usually <laughs> pops up as well. Uh, Steelers over the Raiders, 23-18. That was Sunday night football. And then you had the doubleheader on Monday night with the Eagles over the Bucks and the uh, Bengals over the Rams. And so that gets us set for the start of week four in the NFL, which Thursday night football on Amazon Prime. I don't know why I went into weather guy voice there. but no. I kind of liked it, honestly. Uh, Lions at the Packers. Ooh, that's a good huh? one. That's actually that's a good tasty. one. It's pretty good. Yeah. yeah, that is pretty good. Saints this week. The Packers. Uh, Got the Bucks at home. Yeah. No, that's okay. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay. Hey, right, we're moving on. A couple of two and one. We're two. not looking back. Yeah. No. I yeah. mean, Camara's back. Uh, what What they're going to have to do is win this game on defense and and get creative to get Camara the football. Um, that's that's it. All about it. You think NBC would like a redo on their pick for Sunday Night Football this week? Chiefs at Jets. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If they could get it, they would. They would take it. Buddy, the number that that would have gotten. Oh, are you kidding me? You Mahomes know, against Rodgers in New York. Probably two two and one teams. Maybe a three and zero oh mixed in there. Yeah. Uh, instead, I instead, wish, wish, we will get three hours of Taylor Swift though. Because this won't be a game, and so they'll have to talk about something else. And buddy, the Swifties. You're assuming will be she's going to be there again. No, but the Swifties will be again. tuned in. Ooh, she yeah. goes road game. So, great, great quote here. I wish I could play the audio, but I can't. Willie Gay asked about what he's seen from Zach Wilson in the Jets' offense. He laughs for a second and gives his answer: a team that wants to run the ball. <laughs> 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 oh, Willie. Mama taught him not to lie. He yeah. Didn't. Yeah. Well, you know. They'll, they'll give it a go. Poor Zach Wilson. He's a good player in college. We talked about this at the time. One of the the, the people that do the film breakdowns for The Athletic, when, when he wrote his uh, review on Zach Wilson, he's like, yeah, physical tools there, athletic Good teammate, all that. But he spent his time in college playing behind statistically the best offensive line in recent history. That the overwhelming majority of his throws were when he had absolutely no pressure at all. And the guy was like, the transition to the NFL is going to be terrible for him because a clean pocket in the NFL is a dirty one in college. And he nailed it. And I've followed him ever since because of that. I just absolutely nailed Zach Wilson. Sports Talk Mississippi with you. Five o'clock hour coming up. College football fix and more in the Pearl River Resort Studio. Sports Talk Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi. Your new home for exclusive sports coverage here in the Magnolia State. How do you like that? I love it. On Super Talk Mississippi. Number three, it is the 5 o'clock hour of Sports Talk Mississippi on this Wednesday afternoon. Good conversation with Chris Stewart. 
from the Crimson Tide Sports Network. Joining us on the Farm Bureau guest line back in the 3 o'clock hour. Talked with Chris Blair, the play-by-play voice of LSU in the 4 o'clock hour. If you missed any of those, you can always grab Sports Talk Mississippi via podcast. It is available to you for free wherever you get your podcasts. And, of course, you can just grab it online at supertalk.fm if that is the easier way to go. In addition to that, you can grab the um, Thunder and Lightning podcast, All Things Mississippi State Sports, hosted by Brian Haydad. And the Rebel Report, hosted by Michael Borky. All of those podcasts are available to you. And uh, I hear there's a, uh, a radio version of Thunder and Lightning that is coming your way tonight, uh, about an hour from right now when we finish up Sports Talk Mississippi. Brian Haydad will be on from 6 to 7 with Thunder and Lightning on the radio. Correct? Correct. Hey, Haydad. That's correct, yes. Less enthusiastic yeah. of a promo there, though. You got any <clears throat> guests or anything coming up tonight? There we go. I'm really glad you asked me to do something. I've been sitting here waiting the whole dang show. Like, is he ever going to say anything about Miss Thunder and Lightning? Probably just going to keep it to himself like he does everything else in this life. Keeps all the good stuff to himself. Just don't ask him about anything else that you need to know. Thunder and Lightning tonight, Mississippi State, Alabama. My buddy John Talty will join us from Bama 24-7. That's right. Quit looking at me like that, Cross. I'll come over there. I'll slap the taste out of your mouth. Now. Sorry, I didn't, but, you know, I, I got into the promo there. My bad. At 6 o'clock, Thunder and Lightning. All of that to say that John Tossey's going to join you? <laughs> okay. I was just, I was, I was going to keep rolling, but, you know. It's called well, promotion. Yeah. I got nothing against Tossey. It's just, you know, I'm just I saying, he's never been know? introduced like that before. I gave him a great intro. Uh, I, I pre-recorded the interview because he couldn't do a, a live spot with me. And uh, he was like, that's the best intro you've ever given me. I was like, that's because for the last, like, ten years, I've been crushing you every time I talk to you. So I figured this time I would be nice. This is Sports Talk Mississippi in the Pearl River Resort studio. Pearl River Resort, the home of the sports book at the Golden Moon Casino. Learn more about them online at pearlriverresort.com. Also, the C Spire text line is open to you, 601-879-4395. That's 601-879-4395. How about a little college it's tough, football? It's tough to cut a, cut a promo. Tough to cut a promo when you still got like a little little drainage there. It You're doing a lot right. better. My though. voice is. Yeah, you do sound good. Oh yeah, I feel better, which is crazy. Normally that thing devolves into just awful coughing, but uh, I finished up my Z pack today and I'm 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 pretty good. I was hoping you'd look better, but we're no, not so much. At least you feel better though. Wow, college football fix, shall we? Let's do it, boys. I think you look great. Thank you, Borky. <laughs> that means a lot coming from another good-looking man. This guy's in the middle, though. Just saving all the good stuff. This guy's in Yeah. College football fix is driven by Ford. Speaking of the good Not stuff. Not the looks. And your local Mississippi Ford dealers. Test drive the F-150 today. Wherever you are, it's your local Mississippi Ford dealer. Borky, what are we doing here? So somebody just told us to calm down. I'm gonna I'm get more ramped up now. We're having fun. You calm down, sir. Uh, Borky so, just did the same thing that Obi does. What's that? So what do you we'll, do? We'll, we'll, we'll be riding along, and I mean Obi's ten. He's about to be eleven, and and he's coming mm-hmm. more and more out of his shell, and he's got interesting stuff to say. But there'll be a lull in a conversation. It's like he gets to a point where he doesn't really know what to say, and he'll be like, "So." <laughs> so I just asked Borky. I was like, "Borky, what are Big we doing goals, here?" He huh? goes, 
Uh, Borky's like scrambling for his notes. He's like, so! Uh, I was thinking this morning because the, this, the, this Ole Miss-LSU game, the, the concept of Ole Miss's offensive line needing to play better, we've got audio from Kiffin that, that we may play later about him wanting to adjust or talking about adjusting scheme possibly to help the running game. That is going to be hammered to death this week. I mean, it, it's Wednesday, and I'm already kind of talking about can Ole Miss keep Harold Perkins off of Jackson Dart? It, what else is there for these two games, both Ole Miss and Mississippi State? Keys to the game, if you want to call it that, or or big things that have to happen for a win or at least a close game in Starkville with the big line that people aren't really talking about that much uh, as we sit here on Wednesday of game week? I think it's just about, and, and this is the focus of tomorrow's podcast, I think it's about being aggressive. You know, with, with so many teams, when they're big underdogs, they, they like to talk about playing loose and playing with nothing to lose. And then they just go out there, and the opening drive, they get out to like the 48-yard line, and they punt on fourth and one. And it's like, are you really playing with nothing to lose, or are you just, team I just lip service? Yeah, well, <laughs> some teams point maybe. taken. Point taken. I mean, a lot of teams do that. So that's really what I want to see from State is a little devil may care kind of of attitude. You know, I think they they should stick to what they were doing last week offensively. I like the idea of pushing the ball down the field if you can with that Alabama you know defensive line bearing down on you. But the vertical passing game is great. Obviously, you'd like to run it a little bit more if you can. And then defensively, I mean, I feel like if you just play base defense, they're going to beat you anyway. And then you're just guys are just getting open on you anyway when you're trying to cover. So you might as well blitz. You might as well try to make it uncomfortable for Milrow back there. So that's what I want to see from State this weekend. It's just a, a team that really does play with nothing to lose because they don't have anything to lose. Hey, let me ask you this on the on the defensive piece. Um, on the, uh, uh, it was kind of a mix. Ole Miss spied Jalen Milrow. And they they mixed it up with Centarian uh, Perkins and Ladarius Tennyson, and honestly, both of them did a pretty good job in in, in that particular part of the game. Does Mississippi State have a player, or do you think that's an important part of the game plan? Do, do, do you spy Jalen Milrow? Well, I mean, they they tried to spy Jaden Daniels and they tried to spy Spencer Rattler, and they didn't have the guys to do it. And Milrow is a better athlete. Than both of those guys in terms of being uh, being a runner. So my my first thought is no. Um, the the guy I would throw into that mix would be John Lewis, the Wait, the outside linebacker. But he was killing state running the football. They they, they were they were trying to yeah, keep him in the pocket. That's not what you worry about with him going into the game. It's it's not what. But they they did do it during the game. Okay. So. If they're going to do it, I mean, John Lewis will probably be the guy. That's a guy who is – I know he's a good athlete. He's got speed. I, I'm at the point now with this defense where I would, I'm would i willing to take a little less experience. And I'm not saying bring Buki and, and Jet Johnson off the field, but some of these positions I'd rather have some of the young guys, the guys I think are a little bit better athletes, than the experienced guys because I'd, just rather, I'd rather take my chances with the faster, stronger athlete at this point. I did think it was interesting. Somebody asked about – um, Centarian Perkins playing the role of the spy, and Lane Kiffin said, "Yeah, that I mean mm-hmm. that was like a one-off game plan thing. You know, we were doing that for for Jalen Milrow, but no, that's not what you're going to see from him. 
You're going to see that again this week. You're going to spy Jaden Daniels. Some. Yeah. I, I wouldn't expect Lane Giffen no. to tell the truth. No, not, no, no. Not on that. Yeah. Certainly not on that. He's earned, he's earned um, his right to play more, I think. I mean, at this point, even if he screws up sometimes, it just you, you saw the athleticism. And, and Montgomery was really good on Saturday. He was, I mean, getting close to great at times. It was, was really he good. He was really good. You, you got to have Perkins on the field, though. That his athleticism is uh, off the charts. Um, mindful miss that that nobody's talking about going into this game is special teams. They were frankly really bad uh, on, on special teams on Saturday. You, you had the blocked punt, and when the punt wasn't blocked, it still wasn't good. Punt, the, the punting game was awful for Ole Miss, and it harmed them in the field position battle. And you had one blocked. You missed a field goal. And even the return game, a couple of uh, bad or questionable decisions in the turn, uh, the return game, one got bailed out by a targeting uh, that was a questionable decision that would have harmed you uh, in the field position battle. You've got to beat LSU teams like this one, as talented as this one, by playing a well-rounded game. It's not just about can you get stops on defense, can you run the ball, can, can Dart be efficient. You can't do what they did in Tuscaloosa in special teams and expect to win this game. Punting's got to be better and clean. You can't miss field goals, and the return game, you, you can't start drives on your own 15-yard lines when you could have just put your hand up in the air and gotten it at the 25. That can't happen. I completely agree with you there. I mean, you think about the miscues. You, you, you left three easy points off the board. Would that have changed the way the game was played? I don't know. Maybe. Yeah, block punt, you, you hold them to three. But, but I mean, what's to say that with the way the Ole Miss defense was playing, if you just hit a reasonably good punt there, and, and Alabama starts at the at midfield, or if they start even at the, the plus 45, that the defense doesn't get them off the field and force them into a punt. Well, I just accounted for six points in a game that Ole Miss lost by 14 and had a throw into the end zone down 14 with two and a half minutes left that was wide open and should have yeah. gone for a touchdown. I mean that just that just changed three plays. Now you can if you do the whole change the plays thing, you can also say, well, what if Ole Miss hadn't picked off that pass from Jalen Milrow? And I mean, you, you can do that to death. I understand that, but the point is, it's close enough. You change three plays, and the outcome's in question. Hey guys, what the heck are you doing? Sports Talk Mississippi on your radio and in the game. Sports Talk Mississippi. Conversation from before the break. We'll do that in just a second. Remind you that Sports Talk Mississippi is brought to you in part by Genteel. Genteel is the official apparel provider of Sports Talk Mississippi. You can visit their website and check out all the great stuff uh, that they've got available, including uh, you, you click on the new arrivals tab and you'll see some of the fall collections, some of the long sleeve button down sports shirts, and some of the outerwear that they've got. Really, really good looking stuff. I, I will tell you, they've got. One of the quilted coats, uh, I've got one of those, and they are fantastic. It's kind of that, it's not it's not quite down, but it's that kind of quilted outer coat. It's just the perfect weight as we get into uh, some cooler temperatures that we are convinced are coming before not too very long. 
Hopefully. Please. Fall? Yeah, fall. That, that, that's nice. what we're asking. Maybe we, next month. We, we would like some uh, some fall weather in the uh, in the not too distant future. I will tell you there is uh, they've got a bunch of different um, a bunch of different pullover options, quarter zip options. Uh, make fun as you would like, but the Andrews quarter zip that you can find on their website at genteelapparel.com would be a great addition to your wardrobe. They've got new colors that are available in that. You can get it in powder blue. You can get it in navy. Uh, and then some other colors that uh, that they've had previously as well. A clover, which is a nice, uh, nice soft green. Um, anyway, uh, you're going to love their stuff if you try it. Genteelapparel.com. Genteel, the official apparel provider of Sports Talk Mississippi. Yeah, some, uh, some beautiful-looking quarter zips there on that yep. website. Yep, a lot of good stuff. So, Borky was talking about, you know, major factor that impacts the game this weekend, whether you're talking about Mississippi State, Alabama, or you're talking about Ole Miss LSU. There's something that, yes, the focus on the offensive line is important and it's real. Yes, getting the running game going is real. <laughs> they got to hit some shots down the field, too. And I think there are two things in the passing game that happen now. Having Trey Harris back, if you get Trey Harris back close to full speed, Lane Kiffin said he was at about 70% last week and really kind of only ran one type of route. In what, five plays total? Something like that. it was very, very limited. I would expect a bigger workload for Trey Harris this week. I would expect that there's a bigger load for Zakari Franklin. You, You need... Jordan Watkins is really good and really reliable. If you rewind to the summer, we were talking about players that people aren't talking about enough. That's the guy whose name I threw out, and he's been good. He, he's he's given Ole Miss everything that he can possibly give, and he's been the most reliable and the healthiest receiver so far this season. But I think there are two things at play. One, you saw the um, – I think it was the first offensive play of the game for Ole Miss where they hit Caden Prescorn on kind of a seam route in the middle of the field. It went for 26 yards. And then kind of abandoned the middle of the field. Some of that may have been adjustments that Alabama made where they took that away. But the middle of the field is there, especially when you're facing zone coverages. And that is a portion of the field that you can exploit with a tight end that can catch the football. Now, there's another ball that Caden Priestcorn dropped that he should have caught that would have gone for a first down and kind of kept things moving along. Okay, I mean, he hasn't played since last year. And he's coming off an injury. I'll, I'll excuse that. He's got good hands. He runs good routes. Pretty decent, pretty good blocker as well. So the middle of the field, but some shot plays down the field yeah. to open things up and loosen things up. There's one. Right, oh, you got to run the ball better. You got to run the ball better. You got to have a threat in the passing game as well. And I know, I know that Jackson Dart has put up good passing numbers, but a lot of that has been kind of yards after the catch. You know, throw short stuff and guys explode down the field, and that's great. And that's an important part of the passing game. You need to hit some big stuff, a post over the middle where you've got a one-on-one with a safety and you lead it out in front and you let your guy run past the safety and you go get it. Um, You know, a, a, a shot play down the sideline where you've got one-on-one, where it's yeah. a catchable ball, and, and you go win that. Because if you're able to hit a couple of those, the defense then has to respect that more. They loosen the box up a little bit, and it opens up running lanes theoretically, for Quinchon Judkins. You said a second ago, we've got the audio from Lane Kiffin talking about scheme change in the running game. Let's um, can, can we hear that now? Is this a good time? 
right, this in your is eyes, Kiffin. what are the Here issues up front on offense, and how do you go about addressing them? <clears throat> yeah, we we got to get better. Um, you know, got to coach better, involve different schemes, different things. Um, and you know, we're just sometimes <clears throat> running games interesting. You know, you'll have these games, and all of a sudden they'll pop, and uh, you have a bunch of explosive runs. So. We just gotta all go to work and figure out a way. Not like we haven't, not like we're a team or a program that didn't, hasn't, you know, ever ran the ball or hasn't known how to run the ball. So, um, it'd be really good to get back to that. So, in that monotone, kind of low key answer, there, there was, he, he didn't, he didn't want to answer that question at first, but, no. but then he kind of talked himself into an answer. But the, the scheme change, I thought, was the, the most interesting part there. And if that's what they do, great. I mean, we, we talked going into the game last week that they they have to do things to alleviate issues, right? You have to get creative at some point. And Saturday, it felt so uncreative. Um, whether or not it was, that's up for them to decide, I guess. But my question is, if you know that you have to do something different schematically to, to run the football... Why did you have to wait until after Alabama kind of beats you down up front uh, to, to do that? Because you saw Tulane do the same thing. To a degree, you saw Georgia Tech do the same thing. You haven't been able to run the football. Even Mercer, if you go back and look at the Mercer game, almost didn't run the football particularly well that day. They just threw for a billion yards. And so... That, that's encouraging that they are willing to change whatever, if it's run schemes, if it's blocking schemes, that's why they get paid $9 million. Uh, or that's why he gets paid $9 million, to make those adjustments. But, man, it's like you should have seen you should have seen what happened in Tuscaloosa coming. You should have. And I would be deeply concerned at that, that thing we mentioned on Monday, going four full possessions an entire quarter without getting Quinshawn Judkins a touch. That's not just offensive line getting beat. That that's other stuff too. And so, what what took you so long? I sitting think so. Go ahead, go ahead, Hayda. So we're sitting here in a world where Ole Miss can't move the football, but defensively they're playing pretty well. And State's moving the ball up and down the field Saturday night, but can't stop anybody. When did it become bizarro world? Well, and and look, Ole Miss made a change. At offensive line coach. Randy Clements was the offensive line coach last year. Ole Miss ran the ball pretty well. That was last year, right? It was Thornton. What? Oh, Clements was a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. I can't help but wonder if you bring in a new offensive line coach, maybe the there, there is a particular scheme that he's better with. Or, or that he feels more comfortable with, or has had success with, and so you you give that a go, and and you actually try it, and sometimes you got to stick with it for a little while to figure out if it really works. And a lot of that has been more one on one blocking. They're, look, their exes and those people who are better than I am. You know, the, the, there's been a lot of pulling with the you know guards and tackles, and I just don't think it has worked the way that. It has in recent years, and so there's some thought that maybe there's a little more lean into more of a zone-blocking scheme. But we'll see. 
that there's been a lot of action in recent years and, and subtle movement that you've seen that have opened things up in the running game. A lot, lot of counteraction, a lot, lot of pulling guys to get lead blockers in the right place, and then somebody with as much talent as Quinshawn Judkins kind of, he didn't need a big hole. There's a little hole there, and he can get through it and, and can kind of turn it into a big play. And he showed that Saturday. I, I've, I've seen a lot of people say that, you know, Judkins struggled Saturday. And it's like, I, I didn't see that the, the same way. It, um, You know, just because his numbers weren't good doesn't mean he played poorly. That, that's what's interesting about the running back position. I thought in his 13 carries, he showed that explosiveness and the balance and stuff that, that he's seen in the past. It's just he, he's doing it on a stacked box with an offensive line that's getting beat up in front of him. I, I don't think he was the issue with the running game on Saturday. Well, and, I, and, and Quinshawn Judkins admitted himself that he was healthier and felt better on Saturday than he had in a while. So there's been some kind of a nagging injury that he's been dealing with that has limited him to some degree. So if you have a healthier Quinshawn Judkins and you are really working to scheme some things up to allow you some pops in the running game, it's going to be interesting to see what that looks like because you are um, you are facing a pretty good defensive line with Mason Smith and Makai Wingo there for uh, for LSU. So you're going to have to do some things. And obviously they're really, really good at linebacker as well. But the place that LSU is susceptible, and Chris Blair talked about it earlier, is in the back end. And if they bring a lot of pressure, they've got to get home because they got guys getting beat on the back end. We're back. Sports Talk Mississippi. I can't believe what I'm hearing. This is Sports Talk Mississippi. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Um, you get you get the main CBS crew back on Georgia Auburn this week. That's exciting. What's going on? I don't know. What's going right, on here? here? These are your announcer uh, groups for the uh, for the weekend. A and M Arkansas. I I don't know how I didn't realize this. That's an SEC network game at eleven o'clock central. So that's Dave Neal, Matt Stinchcomb, and Alyssa Lang. Man, they've done some shifting and shuffling this week as well. So Ryder Cup is this weekend. I'm guessing that means Taylor Zarzer has got responsibilities with PGA Tour Radio for that. And are you going to stay up late or are you going to get up early? Starts Friday at 1 a.m. I know Haydad's got his alarm set. I'm I'm getting up early because I have a five like eighteen a.m. flight out of Memphis on Friday, and so 
I guess I'll listen to live Ryder Cup coverage or watch it on the way to the airport on on Friday morning. Uh, A&M Arkansas has got – so normally that's the crew that Taylor's on, so Dave Neal has moved to that crew. Uh, you got Tess and Jesse Palmer and Katie George on Florida, Kentucky at 11. Georgia Auburn is on CBS, and you got Nestler and Danielson and Jenny Dell. Uh, I guess they're just going to decide which game is bigger on a given week and then go with that crew. Okay. Uh, Missouri and Vanderbilt is Lowell Galindo, who is primarily with the Longhorn Network, which is soon to be extinct, with Derek Mason and Taylor Davis. LSU Ole Miss is Bob Schusen, Robert Griffin III, and Chris Budden. Uh, Tom and Jordan and Cole are on the South Carolina-Tennessee game, and then Alabama-Mississippi State, Mark Jones, Rod Gilmore, Quint Kesnick. What time is that game actually going to start? I'm going to say it kicks about eight between 8.15 and 8.20 Central. Whew. Have fun, hey, Dad. I'll be fine. They're calling it an 8 o'clock Central time kickoff, but it'll be later than that. It never is, yeah. They're always waiting on the uh, the next one. I spent a lot of time yesterday thinking about Zach Arnett uh, in the mindset uh, question that Robbie asked. and um, That's fascinating to me. That he doesn't even want to broach. I mean, he was very complimentary of Nick Saban in Alabama. Of course he was. I mean, everybody is rightfully so, but... Man, he he really wants to get out of that, you know, we're Mississippi State, they're Alabama. We should just hope that we can hang on. And if we do, that's going to be great mentality. He, you know, what happens on the field may not reflect that attitude, but as weird of a response as it was to a pretty fair question from Robbie, frankly, I think that kind of speaks to he wants he won't like what we say on Monday if Mississippi State plays close and loses. I guess is what I'm trying to get at. Is that that is not something that he's looking for on Saturdays? Well, hope we just play well, guys. It's I win or lose, and that's it. I don't care who it is. And. Example number three hundred twenty-seven of the difference between football and basketball. Because think about how open Chris Jans was last year, hey, Dad. You remember that brutal stretch to start SEC play that Mississippi State had in, mm-hmm. in conference play? Yeah, and yeah. Chris Jans was kind of open about the fact, like, I mean, look, we've talked about the guys. Like, we're playing hard. We're trying to win every game. But but we we got to stick together. we got to hold tight. The, this thing turns. All right, we're, we're going to have a chance to really make a run down the stretch. And they did. They ended up being in the NCAA tournament. He was very, very open about that. But, no, you're not going to hear Zach Arnett say, look, fact of the matter is, in two of our first three SEC games, we had LSU and Alabama, had to go on the road to South Carolina. Once yeah. we get through this, it, it, it does turn a little bit. It, it, the, the schedule becomes a little more manageable for Mississippi State down the stretch. It's not easy, right? It's SEC football. It's never going to be easy. Right. But instead of having a stretch where it's LSU, South Carolina, on the road, Alabama, your next four games, your next five games, your next six games, good grief, Western Michigan, 
Arkansas, Auburn, Kentucky, Texas A&M, Southern Miss. I mean, that is, again, that's not to say that State wins those games or loses those games or they're close or they're blowouts or whatever, but just in terms of the quality of the team, that there's not any of those six teams that I just named that is as good today as LSU was two weeks ago or Alabama is going to be this Saturday. I mean, it's simple as that. And I mean, but you're right. There's a difference between basketball and football because in basketball you play thirty something games, and in football you have twelve. And so when you lose three in a row in basketball, you're like, well, we can get that back. And then you lose three in a row in football, you're like, we just lost a quarter of the games that we have to play for the entire season. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, and Zach Arnett is probably smart enough to know. I'm saying that he's not probably. He is smart enough to know. That you know the, the kind of task his team faces this weekend, and he you know he probably has within his own mind an idea of what he'd like to see from his team this weekend, and you know if they do enough of the right things and and Alabama does enough of the wrong things, maybe you could find yourself in a, in a fight there in in the fourth quarter. But it's going to take not only you playing your best, but Alabama you know not playing its best, and that's not really something you can control. There's just a but to dovetail on that. This message on the ceasefire text line: As a head coach of an overmatched team, you have to be aggressive and steal possessions. Go for it on fourth and short, onside kick, fake punts, block a punt. If you can do that, you give yourself a chance to win. I, I would say this: I think you have to be prepared and be willing to do those things. But first, you have to let the game dictate that that makes sense. I mean, if your defense comes out and plays really, really well on the first two drives of the game, maybe you do call it a little more, maybe you're a little more conservative offensively. I'm not saying be conservative offensively, but in terms of the, the high risk, low, high risk, high reward plays, maybe you keep those in your pocket until you know you have to do that. Yeah, like if you give up a couple of touchdowns in the first two possessions and you're facing a fourth and one on your own 40, eh, might as well go for it. You got to go score, but to your exact point, if you get a stop, Alabama doesn't move the football real well. Maybe Milrow turns it over early. Then yeah, you kind of settle in. There, there was a, a moment in the South Carolina game that I thought uh, that we didn't talk about. Just there was so much the uh, the decision on fourth and one to take a penalty and kick a field goal instead of going for it and trying to put a touchdown up on the board. I thought was an interesting decision. Kind of a look into. Uh, the, the decision-making of, of Zach Arnett, because it, when I watched that happen, I thought, they're really not getting many stops. It, shouldn't you try to maximize this possession and get seven instead of three? But they chose to go three. That wasn't the, the difference in the game or anything, but I, I did find that to be an interesting decision. You had fourth and about this much in a goal-to-go situation, right? And in a game where your defense is kind of getting ripped apart, and you chose three instead of seven late. Yeah. I, I, I'm sorry. I was reading a text message that um, the one of the pastors at our church just sent me a message. That, so they do Wednesday night youth group stuff. He said, hey, your son just predicted a 70-14 to 14 win for Ole Miss this weekend. <laughs> he said, I love the confidence and the optimism. There's a believer. Sorry. I, I love it. Sorry. Let Obi do the hotty toddy before the yeah. game. He, he's fired up. He's ready to roll. Put put him on the big board. I love it. 
I love it. No, and, and look, we're going to get more and more of that from Zach Arnett throughout the course of the year, right? We're going to get more glimpses into the way he manages games, the way he views yeah. high-pressure situations. State's played four games. If you want to count the bowl game, five with him as the head coach. Right. But 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 four games where he is in charge of everything and calling the shots. It's not going to be perfect. I would imagine that in some ways he still feels like he's drinking out of a fire hose. I mean, he's told us that things have slowed down a little bit. But it, but he is four games into his head coaching tenure. And he's like 30, what, seven? Is that right? Correct. Younger than that. 37. 37. So there's a lot of learning to do. And some people say, well, an SEC sideline is not where you learn on the job. Uh, yeah, okay, fair enough. Unique circumstances. It, it's, I don't know. I, there are some people doing the hindsight, well, they screwed up the search thing. There wasn't a search. They, they didn't feel like there could have been a search. Somebody said that I include I did not include Ole Miss in that list of easier games. No, it wasn't that I wasn't including that in easier games. Yes, it would fall into that category, different than LSU and Alabama. We just kind of set the Egg Bowl aside. Like, the Egg Bowl is the Egg Bowl, and we'll talk about it when it's time. We just kind of, like, take that out of the equation for everything. Right. All right, we will, uh, we'll wrap it up with you. Coming up next, Sports Talk Mississippi in the Pearl River Resort Studios. Can you feel it? Sports Talk Mississippi. Yeah! On Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome back. Sports Talk Mississippi one last time with you. Don't forget that uh, Thunder and Lightning on the radio is coming up when we get finished. That's about 10 minutes or so from right now. You listen on all of your Super Talk Mississippi radio stations and, of course, online at supertalk.fm. It is time for a stat of the day, stat of the day, stat of the day. Michael Penix Jr., who leads the country in passing yards with 1,636, has thrown 16 touchdown passes in his first four games this season. Credit to Michael Borky on this one. The Iowa Hawkeyes have thrown 16 touchdown passes in their last 26 games. I feel terrible for those. Did did you guys get to watch any of Penn State, Iowa? I did not. No, I did not. It it was, I mean, truly, you know, hard to watch is an expression that people use, right? It was truly, like, painful for me to consume that game. It was like the toughest Two dollar steak you've ever had with a one steak sauce on top of it that had been sitting under yeah, a heat lamp up. for five hours. That's what watching that game was like. But they had a whiteout. They did have a whiteout. They did. 
How good has Michael Penix Jr. been? 16 touchdown passes, 1,600-plus yards. That leads the country in both categories. Caleb Williams second nationally with 15 touchdown passes. Sam Hartman at Notre Dame is third nationally with 14. Then it's Cameron Ward at Washington State, the incarnate word transfer. He's got 13. Jaden Daniels, Dylan Gabriel, Mikey Keene, the former UCF quarterback that's now the starter at Fresno State, and Braden Schrager at Hawaii, all with 12 touchdown passes. Uh, the often transferring JT Daniels, quarterback at Rice, he's got 11 touchdown passes. He got hurt in the second half of their game against USF last week. Speaking of Penn State and James Franklin, mm-hmm. he's meeting with the media right now, and usually when they're preparing for road games, they blare music and fight songs and stuff like everybody does. They're not doing that this week at Penn State. Why? Because he said they have to be honest with the team about the atmosphere. Because they're playing at Northwestern. <laughs> wow. That is an 11 a.m. kickoff on the Big Ten Network. Oh, man. There will be more Penn State fans there than Northwestern fans. Like, like seriously, actually sure more. The, the interim head coach at Northwestern is actually doing a really good job. They're 2-2. Two and two. And boy, did he inherit a mess. Probably going to be two and three after this week. Just kind of going out on a limb there. Um, Michigan State has officially fired Mel Tucker. We get that news story once a week for a month now. It really does feel like they fired him three times. Yeah. They suspended him, and then they sent out the notice that they intended to fire him, and now they have officially fired him for cause, completing the process that was initiated last week. He's under university investigation for a sexual misconduct complaint brought by Brenda Tracy, a sexual assault awareness speaker. Um, Some of the quotes in here are kind of interesting. University uh, terminated the contract, quote, for his admitted and undisputed behaviors which have brought public disrespect, contempt, and ridicule upon the university and constitute a material breach of his agreement, and moral turpitude. Anytime you can include moral turpitude, you should. Um, I I couldn't agree more. Yeah. It was so so the athletics director said this because you remember there was a twenty five response from Mel Tucker and his lawyers to all the allegations point by point. Yeah. Haller, the AD says, simply put, Mr. Tucker's response does not provide any information that refutes or undermines the multiple grounds for termination for cause set forth in the notice. Instead, his 25-page response, which includes a 12-page letter from his attorney and a 13-page expert report, provides a litany of excuses for his inappropriate behavior while expressly admitting to the problematic conduct outlined in the notice. I mean, We've got lawyers, too. Yeah. And Bill Blowers will win. Shout out Patrick Reed, by the way. Um Hey, that, there's another. All right, so Patrick Reed's defamation lawsuit against Brandel Chambly and others was rejected by a judge, but there's another hearing coming up in which the judge is going to determine whether or not Patrick Reed has to pay attorney's fees for all of the defendants in the case. Uh, my favorite example that was used in this suit was uh, there, there's a golf blog called The Fried Egg. And they put on Twitter that Liv is using the Saudi money to sports sports wash having Patrick Reed on their tour. <laughs> wow. 
Ow. <laughs> and the, they made it, the judge made it clear that, while harsh, that is just an opinion. <laughs> Sports Talk Mississippi, thanks for being with us on this Wednesday afternoon. We'll re-rack it and do it again in 21 hours. For Michael Borky and Brian Haydad, I'm Richard Cross in the Pearl River Resort studio. Thunder and Lightning coming up next. Good night. Are you a business owner looking for help with HR benefits and payroll? MWG Employer Services offers a wide range of services and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. I was so overwhelmed with HR stuff. MWG Employer Services took all the stress out of it and even set up my payroll. I couldn't be happier. MWG Employer Services is here to help you succeed. Call us today at 601-206-7966 or go to MWGEmployerServices.com. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.